Hello, everyone. Welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a graduate student in education at Liberty University. And with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, professor of English and philosophy at Gen C Community College. Norman and I have been waiting a long time for this episode. As a professional educator with decades of experience, Norm is intimately familiar with the educational system from practical, political, and nearly every other point of view. While I don't have any experience as an educator, I'm a passionate student with some conceptual knowledge of the education world. In fact, the only thing I'm more passionate about than education is philosophy. To repeat my mantra, everything is education and philosophy because each moment we learn and the next we make meaning. So strap in. <laughs> all right. So yeah, this is a big topic. And I mean, I feel like we, t- we tease it all the time because of, because of our two backgrounds, you know, whatever topic we're talking about, I think we're both thinking in the back of our minds about teaching it to students or, you know, being taught yep. or, um, how we, how we can apply some of these, some of these topics in ways that can help us enrich our lives. Um, and I think that's a big, a big aspect of what education should be about if it's not completely in the current climate. And we'll get into some of that. Um, first thing I'd like to say is, you know, sorry, we've been away so long. We did record an episode in the interim. Well, we thought we did. <laughs> we, we, uh, we ended up having some technical issues and, um, we, we lost it, but we'll, we'll, we'll go back to it as an episode on perspective. And in the future, we'll, we'll re-record it. We'll revisit it again. Cause it was, it was an interesting topic. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> but we're back. Um, we, I see that you guys have been, um, have been listening right along despite the, the absence of new episodes We're we're up over 11,000 listens. Um, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I, I meant, I meant to actually message you wow. when, when we went over a thousand and I forgot, and now we're over 1100. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I missed my opportunity. 1100 is really well. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us chat. I hope it is interesting. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's get into it. What, what is education? If you had to sum it up in one sentence, what, what would you say education is? <laughs> oh, oh, tick, tick, tick. Education is the awakening and nurturing of independent thought and feeling and reflection about experience with a foundational basis of knowledge to inform that reflection, period. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so that immediately brings up lots of different questions, right? So. The first one I'll ask is, um, are education and learning inextricably intertwined? Are they a synonymous thing? Well, how, how do you differentiate the two? Well, you're, t- you're taking me to, t- I mentioned John Dewey before we were talking before the show, but I, it, I'm not a Deweyist or a Deweyan. I'm not anything, so I'm I'm not subscribing to one theory or notion. I'm always eclectic, but um, but education and learning, right, are not to me 
absolutely synonymous because education sometimes refers to the system rather than what is taking place within the system. And sometimes a system can inadvertently um, or inadvertently uh, get in the way of the learning. So I, I don't think they are the same thing. I think they imply different things. I think learning, it's kind of like morality and ethics. Morality is the smaller codified sets of principles that various people put forth as this is how we should behave. And ethics is that overarching umbrella of what is it that we do as human beings and why do we decide that we should or shouldn't do it? All right. So the same thing for me is with education. Education is the overarching Learning is the overarching umbrella, and education is this little set of principles, the uh, structure that we sometimes go by. Gotcha. Okay, so one thing that you haven't said yet that I was curious if you were going to go to or not in in discussing education and learning is the role of the the teacher. So you hear people say um, that they should educate themselves. Or, you know, self-educated or something. Do you think that that is actually a valid premise? Or do you think that in any type of education, mm -hmm. there must be an outside mentor or influence or bestower or transfer of knowledge or guide? Or what, what, do you, what would you say about that? Okay, I'm going to, I've, I've, you know, I brought, I scribbled, well, I typed some things this morning that I really needed to bring. <sighs> I didn't mention the teacher because you told me to talk in one sentence, not two. <laughs> so, but, 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 but I don't. When you said that phrase that we often hear that uh, uh, the variations on that uh, you really teach yourself, right? I, I don't. I think we've all found in this pandemic situation uh, that which dates this podcast sometime if any people are listening to it later on, but um, that most students in the sense of traditional students is a sense of people, uh, kids or young people or adolescents, young adults in school do not, for the most part, like the idea of trying to teach themselves. And in fact, probably most of us don't. I mean, many of us will go to YouTube to try to figure out how to fix our John Deere's. And we, we, we go through that. Oh, that video wasn't helpful. Oh, this one is okay, but the camera angle is wrong. Or this one, but I can't hear them. Or this one was too fast. Wait, what was that? It doesn't show on the camera. And then you land on the one where it actually is helpful. The person is talking perhaps slowly, clearly. Oh, you can see the item that the person is talking about, where to place it. And so one is educating oneself going through that process about what teaching is without even realizing that you're learning about teaching by going through the So I think the teacher is very, a teacher or mentor is very necessary. Not in the sense of telling you what to do all the time, but in trying to draw out your interest or to spark it or to nurture it. Uh, I often have thought of the metaphor of of being in a chilly place, uh, maybe winter. Uh, we're not talking about Call of the Wild yet, but uh, and trying to get that fire started. And once you've got that little spark, 
you blow on it too hard, it's gone. And 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 if, and if you don't have dry tinder to help, and so you have to add things a little at a time. Um, but you but when you make a fire, you don't stand there and say, "Well, look, look at that great fire I've made." Well, maybe some people do, but most of us don't. We say, "Thank God it, <laughs> it it's casting warmth." You don't say, "That's my fire." Usually, right? Mm. And and and. And the times in my teaching, when and Joel, you're one. When I say that's, he's he's one of my best students. It's not that I made you that. It's that I recognize at all. It's that I recognize, I recognize what you were made of, and and your your essential interest and uh, and ability to be lit on. Uh, tindered uh, and and that's your doing you did the learning your brother did the learning so thousands I've had thousands of students it's such a blessing and I and I I couldn't claim any single one of them as well I made you a better student no yeah it's interesting I think what you're what you're hitting on is is something that is vastly overlooked in education um, throughout the history of education really until very, very recently it's starting to gain some ground in, in mainstream education, which is that really, um, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, you can't, the teacher is not the, you know, you can't look at them purely as the bestower of, of knowledge. Right. The teacher has to be a learner and, and the learners have to be teachers. You know, you have to learn what the students um, what drives the students, what helps the students learn. And the students have to be able to express to the teacher what sort of things they struggle with, what sort of things they do well with in order for actual learning to occur. Cause that's, mm -hmm. that's the problem is that, mm -hmm. you know, your, your brain is just a jumble of neurons, very much like a, like a viney plant, you know, <laughs> like nobody's, you know, nobody's, nobody has all the same connections all the same way. Everybody makes different connections, different ways. They learn things different ways. And so an input, you know, a stimulus of some kind, you know, in this case, words on a page or sound on your ear or whatever, it's going to go through a different pathway for everybody, you know, and, and how they learn and what sort of, what it means to them is going to be, is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, and this isn't something that's just relevant for education. You know, I use it in the business world a lot where, you know, they, and again, it comes down to a lot of platitudes and cliches, but appropriately applied, it really is something that is is um, useful. Active mm -hmm. listening. Yes. You know, you have to you have to sit and you have to actually not just hear the words somebody's saying, but decipher what they mean by what they're saying, and and then figure out a, an appropriate course of action to do what's in the best interest for them and your and yourself and and whatever enterprise it is that you're on. And that's learning, right? As much in your in the manufacturing as anywhere else, you know. But but this is where uh, maybe I'm getting off track, and maybe we have more than one conversation to come about. <laughs> maybe. Um, but I think this is where education as that system starts to think too highly of itself. And and people start looking at as 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 people are wont to do. What do we do? We look at how, what, what output happens. 
Mm -hmm. So rather than the process of manufacturing, and how do we make that process more organic and efficient and creative, right? Which we want to do. People are human. They want to be able to have a human workplace. We're not the 19th century anymore. But, but that 19th century idea of you're a cog, you do this, you stand here, you push this, no input. No, well, that's the old model in some ways of, of education, too. Have, have you ever read Parker Palmer? Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the most influential people to me and one of my fellow teachers put me on to Parker Palmer, oh, 20 years ago. And it's remarkable things. And what he says something that is right on track with what you're saying. Mentoring is a mutuality that requires more than meeting the right teacher. The teacher must meet the right student. And he talks about connectedness. And he talks about the, the idea of, of um, we have to figure out, as you said, the neurons and everything, the complex connect connections within ourselves. Because our whole walk through life is is making connections, having experiences, putting them in, into perspective. How do we do that with, with whatever reflection we manage to muster? And and that's true in a classroom. That's true outside of a classroom. It's true in your zone, the manufacturing zone, as well as your zone in the classroom. You're not a teacher, but you're studying education. And you are a teacher because you're doing a podcast. Yeah, you're you're, you're not licensed teacher when we look at that, okay fine i'm not a, a, a licensed contractor and everybody's happy about that <laughs> but but um but you don't always just get a certificate it's, it's so much about people getting certificates mm -hmm. it's like the the wizard of oz to me i can't help but you know if you go to the wizard in the movie version at least right my wife's been reading The Wizard of Oz for uh, for people on, on the library chapters every week. So I'm back into Oz. But in the movie, what do you want? An education? Well, here, I give you a degree, and now you've got the brains, and suddenly the scarecrow can say, oh, E equals MC squared or something. <laughs> and, and a heart. I'll give you a heart. Well, here's a nice little ticking clock. It looks like a heart. That's what people think education is sometimes on the most superficial level. I go, I sit there for a while, or I do this, and I push that button, and I do this, and ta-da, I get a certificate, which says that I can then go on and have a different job, as mm -hmm. if it's all about jobs, and education is not all about jobs, and yet it's at the very most foundational part of doing our work. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, it's... Again, it's, it's a situation where language really betrays intention in a lot of cases. Um, you know, in the classes that I take, every class starts out with um, an introduction section where you um, you answer you answer a set of questions, and um, a couple of the questions are: um, What do you do? You plan on getting a new job as a result of your degree? You know, and. There's only four or five questions, and that's one of them. So that tells you something about the. Do you plan on getting a new job as a result of your degree? Um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And and really, once you get to the level um, that I'm at, I'm I'm about to finish my master's degree. Everybody except me is planning on is going to school to get a job. You know, there's nobody. <laughs> so I'm I'm really the oddball when I say, 
Yeah, I'm just here to take classes for fun. <laughs> Wait, what? And, and of course, you know, that's it, it's very circumstantial as well. You know, I'm provided a lot of um, valuable incentives due to um, prior military service and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so it wouldn't be possible for me to do that under um, regular circumstances. And that has to do with um, the funding aspect and, you know, of, of education, which... If we do get into it, I'm not sure if it'll be this episode. <laughs> we're, we are getting <laughs> See, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we've got more. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's a very complex. The entire issue is very complex. Um, but yeah, no, I think, and and that gets to the next distinction I'd like to make, which is, you know, we talked about learning and education, right? I think that, you know, learning is something that we're we're doing all the time. We're always learning. You're receiving stimulus, and and you're you're making. Um, assumptions about it. And sometimes your brain streamlines that process so it knows what's important to pay attention to and what's not. But you're always learning. Um, but I think that education is a more structured process. Education requires, you know, if not, if not a mentor, at least some knowledge that is currently outside of your, um, your knowledge base. And it requires some sort of interaction, some sort of tools in yes. order to obtain that knowledge. Yes. It's not something you can just kind of stumble upon the way you can learning something else. Yes. You know, um, yeah, the formality so, is there. You're right. Right. So, so establishing that my next question would be, you know, how would you differentiate education and training? And, um, and that's one where in, in years past, maybe it would be a little bit simpler. Yeah. Um, with current modern education, like we were just talking about, it might be a little bit trickier. I think the assumption now, because it's been planted into people's minds, and uh, and some, it's just it's just gone that direction. The assumption is already that almost all education is about training. Training for uh, in, a, in a very narrow sense, really, uh, which is why you know, my son and daughter-in-law deal with this as teachers all the time. What 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 is art? What is music? They're called extras. Mm -hmm. Now that may seem innocuous, but it's not an innocuous term. <laughs> if, you, if you consider that extra, it means oh well, we might we could do without those and still get. And education. Well, that's utter nonsense, but that's where the, the, the current system is. So that's already a narrowing that's implied toward training. Missing the boat that musical training or art training, as you said earlier, if for, if, just at the very one level, underscore, undergird the, the process of thinking by not being restricted into just the logical process. There's much logic in music. I'm not a mu I, 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 I've learned music enough to play a little bit on piano, right? Mm. I appreciate music. I'm not a music teacher. Um, same thing with art. I have an art teacher. Um, I think I've become an artist. But... The training aspects, CS focuses on what you're going to do when you grow up. What are you going to do when you leave? What does that certificate parlay into? And and so training becomes almost a pejorative term. Training become uh, training becomes a, a, a connotation of 
uh, a little distasteful connotation, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And it, you can be trained to do anything if you have the right uh, nascent skills. Not everybody can grow up and do anything in the world because we don't all have the skills to do such. But I think training has such a a, a connotation of utility. And utility is narrowed in our circumstance to, what, five or 10 or 15 professions Mm -hmm. that you all want people to grow up and do. Yeah. And I mean, really, if you you get down to it, there's... There's four of them that are are really being pushed by by the governance, and that's STEM. You know, yeah. you have science, technology, engineering, mathematics, which are very important things. Um, but no, you know, go, going off of what you're saying, you can train a dog. <laughs> can you educate a dog? <laughs> you know, that's it. Um, and so maybe that sort of gives you <laughs> some insight. Yeah, yeah, some insight into the difference. Um, you can train fruit flies. You know, you can. So I think that you're right. Training is. Um, it is again. I think the training falls under the umbrella of education. Training yeah. is a type of education. Yes, it's a, it is. It's a type of learning. Um, but I think it's a type of learning that is. It's that is. It's an exchange, and that, I think that's where that distastefulness comes in. Is it's just you get trained. We're going to provide you this training so that you can provide us this skill. Mm-hmm. And whereas education implies something different, we're going to provide you this knowledge and you do with that knowledge what you see fit Mm -hmm. is, I believe, what education should be. Um, Now, I think that it's narrowed much more recently to a, a, a definition that would be much more synonymous with training. They're saying, we're going to provide you this education. We're going to provide you this certification. And then you will provide us with this output in society. You'll, you will, you'll be an engineer. You will be a, a teacher, whatever it will be. Right. It's transactional. And, and so, and then, right. And as a result, they, they place different values on those certifications. So like you said, a music teacher, an art teacher is an extra because they don't perceive a music teacher or an art teacher as providing a valuable contribution to society. They're not, they're not providing an output that the governance sees as, as useful as an, an engineer or a scientist. And yet, and, and see, this is where, because I don't want to, uh, I'm in that frame of mind right now where I could very easily just get way too uh, polar. And I, 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 I fight this, I won't. I won't. So I'm going to counter myself. But there are school districts that even in the worst of times, some some the fairest people they they lay off are the extras, mm. or furlough, or whatever nice little euphemism we give, uh, retrench. <laughs> <laughs> some some uh, but some school districts say no, we're keeping these because I think there's a recognition, perhaps in uh, parents. Uh, collections of clusters of parents, perhaps in the, the in the people who are in charge, that there is something invaluable, but that a lot of people have a hard time trying to articulate what's valuable about it because it's not an easily transactional process. Mm. You know, it, it, you can't render everything into. Well, you probably have encountered this too. The current one of the current crazes 
in in uh, the community college and and uh, that level of education is called micro credentialing. Hmm. Are you aware of this? I have not heard that term. Okay. It's it's a big deal. Micro credentialing. People are stumbling all over themselves. Institutions that try to provide this. So micro credentialing would be you come, you talk to our success coaches. We used to call them advisors, but you talk to our advisors, and 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 we'll work out. Uh, you present a portfolio of of your work, your vita, your resume. You talk to us about, and an ins ex institution will say, "Well, okay, I think we can give you two credits in engineering for this, or we can give you one credit in uh, uh, business writing, or whatever it happens to be." And we'll give you a little certificate that says, congratulations, you have uh, earned oh, two credits in engineering. And there's that little piece of paper, a little stamp on it, unique to institution, but, but um, actually it's being trying to be universalized now so that you can carry this, like another kind of portfolio, from one place to another. Um, so that you can see, see, this is, these are all the things that I can do. Hmm. Now, there's a value in that, in the sense of, of, but only in the sense of the superficial layer of, of being validated by some authority in the worst sense of authority, I think. Authority is important. We have lost the reference, I know I'm straying, but we've, we've, we've lost the um, appreciation for expert knowledge. Our culture is devastatingly off base with that now. And I think micro-credentialing could be a way of making that better, but it looks to me more like it's just becoming more coins. Here, have some, you're more valuable because you have these three pieces of paper. So it's, it's emphasizing that. You can get your education done faster because you don't have to take this training because you've had 20 years of this. Therefore, there's nothing that we can teach you. It's essentially saying, we can't do anything for you because you're already way past us. And any good class, any reasonably good teacher would reject that notion outright and say, there's always something more. Mm -hmm. that you can learn, whether you had 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever year's number of experience in it. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a digitizing of credentialing, you know, like you're, you're, it's finer resolution. You know, you're taking that degree and the biggest complaint that people have about that degree, oh, well, just because you have this degree doesn't mean you can do the job or, you know, even though I don't have the degree, I could do that job and they're trying to um, they're trying to ameliorate that, you know, they're trying to say, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe if you do have some background, you can do a part of this job, even if you don't have the whole degree. This and very semester, fun. this very semester, at the beginning, it seems like an age. It's been a different world from where we started. There was, uh, unnamed, uh, uh, an upper-level administrator. We'd gone through a whole workshop in micro-credentialing. And... Uh, this person held this person's head uh, at the end of the workshop and said, the only thing we have left to offer are credentials. And I was aghast. 
I was stunned mm-hmm. because we'd been paired up, an unlikely pairing, <laughs> by the, the leader of the, to, to brainstorm ideas. And I was aghast because, of course, we have so much more to offer. But if that's what this mindset puts people into, that it's just an, even a more shallowing and narrowing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's the perspective thing again. It's like you said, you know, even if you do a job for 50 years, right? You know, like, uh, this is a good example, right? I'm a, I'm a musician, right? Let's say I've been a musician for 50 years, and then I decide to go to, go to college for a music degree. I'm going to learn so many things yes. because I taught myself how to play music. But even if I had music teachers in the past, how those people approached an instrument or music theory is going to be different from how a professional educator is going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the in, the interactions between the students and between the teachers and the conversations that are had yep. and the way things are played off each other are going to be completely different. So it's that humanity. It's that perspective. It's that interaction is what makes higher education special. But the very people who are running it no longer recognize it. And what it feels like to me is like a magnifying glass, right? Mm. You have... You have the glass and like the 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 closer in, you know, you everything everything's blurry and upside down and then the more you move the glass and all of a sudden at some point it just flips and then everything's in focus. <laughs> I feel like we're right before that point. Everything is upside down and jumbled and blurry and doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I feel like at some point it's just going to click for people. This isn't what education is about. It's not just training, it's not just credentialing. There's something that has been going on um, in generations past that was useful and meaningful and not quantifiable in a output, yeah. you know, in, in an output. Yeah, I, I like your metaphor very much. It, it, yeah, we, we, we've gotten so – well, you know this about me. In my, in my first master's degree uh, – I, I was one of the chomp, chomping chompingest at the bit of of behaviorism mm-hmm. which was really hitting its stride in the uh, in, 19, in the 1980s early 1980s late 70s and that's where not all of my teacher training was going on but but it was it was underlying much of it and and that notion is just as you say uh, magnified, although in a distorted sense, it's uh, more like a hall of mirrors. So the notion that every single worthy thing that you can learn either can be measured—it's uh, all empirical—or it doesn't exist in any meaningful way. Oh, that's just so wrong. <laughs> I mean, what, one of the things Palmer, Parker Palmer says: good, good teaching cannot be reduced to technique. Mm. You know, people, you know, well, you can watch somebody teach. You can say, "Oh, okay, yeah, I might, might do that." Right? You can hear good uh, teachers uh, whatever metrics one uses to determine good teaching, because you can have two different teachers <laughs> that that you would not. You, you might learn equally from both of those teachers, but those two people wouldn't even talk to each other because of the way that they 
so it's not a, it's not technique. It come, he says it comes from the identity and the integrity of the teacher. And the identity part comes from you, 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 he, he says it's alien to academic culture. We have to talk to each other about our inner lives. We have to talk about risky stuff in a profession where no risk is often in a system in which taking risks is um, often looked upon, frowned upon, unless they have viable outcomes. Which, straying off again, is why we have such difficulty in our country, particularly, with, uh, we don't spend the money anymore on research and development in companies. Mm -hmm. It's, it's primarily consider the stockholders, consider the the, uh, the enormous wealth of the of, of the, the, the paycheck of the CEO and so on. But the R and D budgets shrink, 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 shrink. Why? Because any product we make, we've got to know that it's going to be successful. Well, that's not what R and D is about, and that's not what experimentation in the classroom is about. You're going to fail most of the time. You're going to try things out, and they're going to fall flat on their face. And the very fact of discussing with a student, why was that such a failure of a lesson, is where the real teaching takes place. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of my my own uh, college experience at GCC. Because in the same semester, I had you and um, Mr. Allmeter, who's a history teacher. <laughs> and very, uh, very opposite teaching styles. Um, you know, Mr. Allmeter is very, he'd, he'd write, you know, 20 or 30 terms on a whiteboard at the beginning of the class and then he would essentially just read through a book and through his notes and each time he would say one of the words on the whiteboard you'd have to take down the notes of whatever whatever he said after that point mm. and halfway through the class he'd erase the whiteboard and write up 30 more terms you know <laughs> and every a lot of people hated him um you know because there are so many terms and there's so much note taking and so much of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember very clearly there was one student, um, Christine Titus, who was in every class I was in. Oh yeah. And um, she would, she was always just aghast because I'd walk into class and I always had a notebook and a pen, but I never opened them. <laughs> and I just sit them on the class and I would just sit there and I would listen and I would listen to the entire thing. And it, he talked chronologically, so he's going through the history. Mm -hmm. So I'm just listening to the story of American history from the Revolution to the Civil War, or from the Civil War to modern times, or world history from here to here. And I'm just imagining the story. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to picture the characters. I'm trying to picture the events. Imagine why a general would decide to make this sort of flanking maneuver in this situation as opposed to just holding tight, or whatever the case is, you know? Mm -hmm. And he would give weekly quizzes and you know I would routinely get A's on quizzes and all the other students were struggling and they had notebooks full of notes mm -hmm. you know and what it came down to is I you know you and Mr. Allmeter obviously had super uh, different teaching styles but I think that you were both good teachers and he would stop mid-class and he would share stories he would talk about things that had you know were important Mm -hmm. to were germane to the history lesson or to our lives and things and you know years later I, you know I, I didn't see him for you know probably 10 years and I saw him later and he remembered me you know and, mm -hmm. and we talked and mm -hmm. stuff and and again it's it is that it's that connection and it, it's about it's about the learner as much as it is the teacher it's about how the teacher 
feels about their subject matter just yeah. as much as what sort of approaches they use. There's a lot of different things that come across, and it, it is. It's more about than just, did you spend this amount of time in the class? Did you answer this number of questions right? right. You know, um, because even though he used some of those methods, okay, well, I'm going to do 60 terms, and we're going to do a 10-question quiz each, each week. Yeah. He still took the time to passionately tell the story he still had essays and papers and things that he would critique on the knowledge that you put into it as opposed to just the structure or the format yeah. or the, the, the precision and stuff. And, um, you know, really, it, it, says, it says a lot about what education should be. You know, it, it can be a wide variety of things. You know, it doesn't have to fall into this okay, well, you spent 60 credit hours in this class and you answered this number of multiple choice questions, right? So here's your credential. And you never really have to think about anything that you learned here again. Just go and do a job and they'll actually teach you all the things you need to know when yeah. you get there. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. Those things had a lifelong impact on me. You know? and, and history, you know, no, you know, history is something that students are, are forced to take. Um, <laughs> And even it's one though of the it's most fascinating, even things. though it's not essential to um, a jobs or whatever, right. um, I use that. I use a lot of that stuff that I learned, you know. And uh, because you treat it, this is what we were talking about also before the podcast, because of the nature of story. And this is where I think one of the nexus points for all knowledge. All knowledge ultimately is anchored in story and how the stories are told how the mm -hmm. stories invite you in or kick you out <laughs> um i mean that the, the, the history well sure um but for the longest time uh, huge segments of our population were not invited into the story that was the essence of the lives of that population rendered through imperial uh, uh, tales of, of privilege and, and triumph mm -hmm. rather than the human stories. And this is where history is really, for me, very fascinating when you actually get into the human stories and say, yep. You, there's every reason to say we came to this uh, continent and we lay waste civilizations and we pat ourselves on the back for it and we toss a coin to those civilizations or a thought maybe once in a while and of course it's more complicated than that because of course we've accomplished all kinds of things but we cannot and must not forget what what was done and what continues to be done in order to maintain that system because education is also about maintaining systems mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a good example of, of education versus training, you know, is, is that, you know, why, why would you take history to be a history teacher? So if you look at history teaching as training, you take this series of courses, you learn a series of facts, you know, the dates that the War of 1812 took place between whatnot, uh, you get your credential, and then you regurgitate all of those facts that you learned for other students. And there you go. That's the propagation of society. But that's not education. Education is listening to that story and then 
weaving other stories mm-hmm. from other sources, yeah. you know, yeah. because for the longest time, history has taught in the United States didn't tell the stories of large groups of people or it distorted the stories of large groups of people. And that distortion, I believe, is something that is primarily responsible for many of the racial and gender issues that we're having in society now. People have been habituated through the single perspective story that they were told in school to, be, to believing that things took place in a certain way. My brother sent me a, a, a funny meme the other day that uh, there's the first panel, the character says, uh, the character is labeled um, America, American mm-hmm. history. And he says, I've never done anything wrong in my life. <laughs> and then the second panel shows another character and it's labeled the American people. And it says, that's why I love you. you know? <laughs> and it's true. If you, it if is. you take what you've been taught in history class and you just accept it on face value and you just, you know, you just accept those facts and regurgitate those facts, mm-hmm. you would be under the impression that, you know, America is full of steely eyed patriots who were always, you know, somehow never made a mistake. Um, And it's just, it's simply not true. And, you know, all the way from huge uh, faux pas and, and, you know, mistakes from, of the founding fathers down to just nuanced things of what perspective um, things are shared from. So really what education is, is it's giving you that the perspective and the intellectual tools to look at things from a multidisciplinary way, from different facets, putting yourself in other people's shoes, and being able to develop new narratives and integrate new knowledge and, and follow these sorts of things. And history is a really good example of that. Yes. You know, and 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 that goes to show, you know, with, with some of the, the racial and, and the gender problems that you're having, you know, sometimes you wonder how can these people on one side or the other, um, but specifically the main, you know, the more conservative side, how can somebody just take this, you know, and how can they not see that this is wrong? But when you look at it the way that we've, we've talked about and you look at how they've been educated and from what perspective they've been educated and what kind of reflection they've put into the things that they've been told There's, it's suddenly not as mysterious anymore yeah, why yeah, they that, think the that, way they do and that you're right and and that last one that r word particularly reflection leads sometimes to epiphanies not always that's why an epiphany is special <laughs> reflection leads to fresh thought and fresh realization Reflection also leads to humility. That's when real, I think, I think I, 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 I know if someone has been, has, has become or is already truly a student. I mean, I've, I've had, even this semester, I've, when I tell people, I'm, I'm, I'm just as much a student as you are. And there's some of the folks say, you are not, you are not, you're the teacher. You can't say you're a student because, <laughs> but, but I am. How could I not be? And I know less now than I did when I started. 
because I've known I know so much more, but that means there's so many more things to question and to wonder about that there's there's no way. So it's very Socratic, but but of course, but but that and and it sounds goofy to say to sit and say, well, it's about humility because it sounds like you're not being humble, and that's not what I, mm. it's it's a it's about. The humility of realizing there are so many things one doesn't know, and one shouldn't be so blasted sure of everything. The more one finds out about how things have been, and all of that should counter this deadening polarization that we have. It should, if we were really an educated people. We wouldn't be in this position. That's not to say we'd all agree with each other. Of course we wouldn't. We'd be actually engaging in conversations that were not shouting matches. We would actually be encountering and working out ideas and trying to figure out. But a tr that would be a truly educated people. And we, sadly, I think, are not yet. But we have the capacity of being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And it's as again, it comes back to kind of what I get, was getting at is that when it's a systemic problem yeah. with the education, the education system has been so focused on accountabilities and outcomes um, for so long that it's become a zero sum game where you, you either pass or you fail. You're either right or you're wrong. Mm. Um, and as we all know, that's not the way real learning works. Your, your, your example earlier of the contractor was a, was a good example, right? Your, your lawnmower breaks, you go on YouTube, you find the first video, the video doesn't work out. So, you know, maybe you failed because you didn't have enough information. He didn't use the right camera angles, so you didn't know what bolt he was loosening, so you loosened the wrong bolt. Okay, you failed. So what do you do? You tighten up that bolt. You find a different video with the right <laughs> camera angle, but maybe he's using terms that you don't understand. So that one doesn't work either. So you fail again. So you find a different video because eventually you don't have any choice but to fix your lawnmower. <laughs> you know, you can't just leave it broken. Um, so you fail multiple times, but do you, you don't think of it as failing the same way you think of getting an F on a test, right? That's you don't right. think That's of it right. yeah, the same right. way as failing. Because it's hands on. Right. And, and, and it's the same thing with any other number of real life learning. Um, you know, if I'm writing a song and I'm trying to find a chord progression, I play a chord that doesn't work. Even more than that, if I play a chord and I'm thinking this does work and then I write the song and then three hours later I go, this chord isn't working, you know, <laughs> well, I failed. But do I just throw out the entire song at that point? Maybe sometimes I do. Maybe sometimes I modify it. Either way, it's a failure because what I did originally did not work. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the fact of the matter is that failure doesn't have long lasting implications for my life. Other than that, it taught me something. Yeah. It taught me I can't, this chord doesn't transition into this chord with this melody line in this scenario. Maybe down the road I can make it fit, right? But so I, I'm either discarding this song, this song was a failure, and I'll write new songs, whatever, it's not a big deal, 
or the chord didn't work, so I'll replace it with another chord and I'll make the co- I'll make the song work. Yeah. So it was a it was a temporary failure, and a, either way you look at it, it's a temporary failure. It's a temporary setback, and then you learn something and you you move on. And I feel like that's that's what role failure in education should be playing. It should be a pruning of the tree. You grew in a direction that wasn't towards the sun, so you clipped those mm-hmm. branches and then you let the thing grow in a more productive fashion. It shouldn't be cutting down the tree, very, very you know, nice. or um, determining, yeah, this tree is not valuable. Right. Or, or this tree is more valuable than this tree. So we'll give this tree more attention and. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's what's led to some, a lot of the societal problems that we've had is you have these people who are either liberal or conservative or, you know, pick whatever side any topic you pick is going to be controversial and divisive because we've made it that way because people have a, an ingrained, um, a socially ingrained perception that if they're wrong, that's that's it. That's the end. And it's not that way. And what makes education humbling, like you said, it's not false humility. What it's saying is that I'm the teacher. I I've gone through years of learning about something, but I'm just as capable of learning about this topic of which I'm a master from somebody who's never encountered it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just as capable of learning something because from them ask, as they are from learning that's about right, me. Because you ask, you ask a question that I haven't heard asked before or in, in the way that you ask, or you, you say, Oh, this makes me think of, and I never, or, or, you know, this happened in my life, but it sort of reminds me about what I read in this essay. And, Suddenly, it's all fresh again. Mm-hmm. Or you come back to a you come back to a book that you haven't read in some time, and it's a brand new book to you. Not because you don't remember elements of it, but because your now voice in your mind taking it all in is not the same. That's why, that's why I read I read Lord of the Rings uh, once every ten years, at least. Sometimes lately, it's been a little bit more than that. This is because you know when at a certain point in your life, maybe you feel like a hobbit. Sometimes maybe you start to feel like Strider or Aragorn, right? So, so or and then you realize, yeah, Gandalf is closer to, and, and and so you see the viewpoint of the story through a character that you didn't inhabit before and it tells you fresh things and and any book a worthy book can do that mm-hmm. any worthy song can if you listen to a song that you have written listen to any piece of music which is totally bound up in your emotional state at that moment the experiences that you've had the associations you make with it the memories and so it's bound to be fresh education is bound to be fresh if we approach it in that way of of, as teachers as vulnerable as i have things to offer you but you have things to offer in return and between the two of us or the 30 of us we're going to come to some fresh knowledge Mm -hmm. and it may not (laughs) parlay into uh, x cents per hour in whatever work you do because you're not going to be able to measure that. You don't know. Right. But it may change the course of your life. It may change what you think about, how you approach a problem. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that's the big problem with it, right? Is that education has become increasingly um, 
focused on accountability and bureaucratic manager managerialism and yeah. um this this quantification of outputs but as you just said reading lord of the rings each time you're identifying with a different character each time you come back to that same thing you're a different person yeah. and so as a result it's almost like trying to quantify a quantum system you know like you're interesting you're, you're yeah. trying to what education's trying to do is say mm, schrodinger's cat is alive you know and it, you don't you you can you know every, every time every time a student walks into the classroom they're 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 different they have a different skill set they have a different emotional state they have a different relation to the topic mm -hmm. and what they take away from it is going to be different and so that's not to say that there isn't essential skills students should learn. Oh, sure, there um, are. You know, sure. and, and essential understandings of a topic they should come away from after a course of study. That's the foundational knowledge. Right. Yeah. Right. But it just highlights the fact that there's more to it than that. There's more to it than what you can quantify at the end. Um, you know, and, and I think of myself as a, as a pretty good example of that. You know, I... Every class I've ever taken, I feel like I've gotten so much out of it. You know, like I feel like I've learned so many things. And and how have I applied them? You know, like when I look at where I'm at in my career or, um, you know, the, the subjects that I have degrees in, um, criminal justice, psychology, education, you know, interdisciplinary studies. Hmm. Well, how have I how have I used them as an output? For society how have i contributed to society with them i haven't <laughs> i haven't done anything with them um in a monetary sense and in, in a way that in a way that you know the government would pat me on the back for you oh you're doing a good job contributing to society no i haven't done that but i've taken away so much from them personally every single class i've taken you know i've had good teachers and bad teachers and good materials and bad materials and all all the run the gamut but there's always a lesson to learn from each one of them yes. you know and and how you integrate that with the other things that you've learned and the fulfillment it provides, the perspective it provides, and how it enables you to learn new material going forward is an unquantifiable, um, but, but in experientially, a priceless, yes, a and priceless, priceless. Um, you know, yep. priceless feeling. That's so well said. Okay. So I, I feel like we've, we've really done a, a good job looking at education philosophically um i know what we were th what we were thinking we were going to do was cover oh we we're going to cover education philosophically at the beginning then dive into um the societal and political kind of interactions of education which we did do um in a fringe sort of way but uh i think that there's definitely a lot more worth talking about there's oh, yeah. there's huge um philosophical battles being waged in the political and societal arena, they'll probably be worth talking about in, in an entirely other episode. Yeah, we could do a whole episode just on the technology of yeah. teaching. Yeah. So we'll get into that maybe next time, maybe maybe down the road a little bit. But um, yeah, it was really fun just talking about the, the fundamentals of, of education. It was. It was. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep pondering.